tickets, please. I was hoping you'd give me a pass this time. So many things to see. So many choices I can't decide. But if movies are your passion, let's talk for a while. Et bonjour et bienvenue à notre podcast. Je suis Seth et je suis avec mes amis Caleb et nous sommes le podcast la, film, la passion de film. That was French. It has nothing to do with the movie we watched. But well, actually, it does. <laughs> I guess it actually does, doesn't it? Man, I didn't even think about that. It does. So don't roast me too hard for my poor French pronunciation. I was trying to just improvise something there. And... You know, you impressed me, and I can't do that, so. Yes, well, <laughs> you are indeed my friend Caleb, and we are here to talk about another movie. So you want to tell us which movie we're talking about this time? We are talking about, well, I guess it goes by two titles, but I always called it Edge of Tomorrow, but uh, another title that exists out there. It might have been the title that was used for foreign audiences, but it's it, it also is known by Live Die Repeat. Interesting. Okay, I see that on the on like the film or the movie cover, I guess, art artwork that has Live Die Repeat in one corner, but like at the title slot it has like Edge of Tomorrow with like the starring, you know, Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. So, interesting. It was known by Multiple names. I feel like that name kind of gives away what it's about a little bit more yeah. than Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess if they had said, like, Middle of Yesterday, that would have been, like, not as exciting. I guess Edge of Tomorrow is more, like, <laughs> gripping. Well, when I went and saw... So I saw this in theaters when it came out. I believe this was around the time, like, I was a junior or senior in high school. And me and three other buddies didn't really... Uh, do anything other than go to the movies <laughs> and so we saw like <laughs> everything that came out in like a two-year period and so i went and saw this and i believe it was only called edge of tomorrow yeah i'm looking at the wikipedia page right now and it says later retitled as live die repeat uh colon edge of tomorrow hmm. so I, I think it initially was just called edge of tomorrow but then they added in that other part which you know could have been the tagline before yeah. but it looks like they worked it into the title yeah pretty epic sounding title either way yeah <laughs> and and uh this uh this movie i feel we should note that it's based on a manga i think called all you need is kill is a manga like a kind of graphic novel i think that's that's it it's basically a japanese graphic novel uh oh, so okay. you've got anime which is like the the Japanese like cartoon uh, mm-hmm. stuff, and then manga is the paper version of that, like the graphic novel. Okay, so wait, so you're telling me this movie could have been anime, but instead we have a live action version. There might be instead. an anime out there about this movie. I don't know, but someone would have to do some digging to find that. I think. I mean, this movie has really great reviews and ratings and it's got some big names attached to it so i think that this would be the um what's quintessential like (laughs) uh, adaptation on film (laughs) i'd say so yeah no for sure so let's see we usually i guess look at some of the the background of the movie i think if i had to try to hit this one with a tagline to you know get us situated and headed in this direction I think I would probably say that Tom Cruise plays Bill Cage, opposed by Bill Paxton, doing Bill Murray things, but in battle. And from Alpha to Omega, this movie is a fight for Earth. <laughs> that was that was nice. I like Thanks. That. A lot of bills. I was trying to get as many bill sounds in there as possible. but The top billed person is Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Top build actor Tom Cruise plays Bill Cage side at the side of Bill Paxton, who doesn't really do anything to help him, as he lives the same day over and over again, like Bill Murray, trying to build 
<laughs> oh! A suitable counterattack to aliens who can time travel with consciousness. There you go. So, man. Pretty trippy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want me to go through the IMDb page? I think I think that will be less trippy. Let's do that. <laughs> uh, so this movie uh, came out in 2014. So I, th- I think I was a junior in high school. But mm. PG-13, hour 53 minutes. That actually surprised me when I watched it again recently. Mm. I didn't remember it being that long. And I feel like yeah. most movies like this would probably be closer to the hour and a half mark. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I have a comment about just the pacing of the movie in general that I could probably save for later. But I would agree it didn't feel that mm. long. Um, yeah. Except most of the time. Which I guess is a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. Should I... I'll just go ahead and say it. I feel like sometimes we save it, but we're since we're changing things up this time, and we'll get to that later, I'll go ahead and say the IMDb rating. Uh, it has a 7.9 mm. out of 10. So that's pretty doggone good, uh, if you ask yeah. me. From I mean, I spend a lot of time on IMDb and look up movies that I'm interested in. And, uh, you know, if you get above, like, a 7, that's like a... Mm. That's a good... That's a... That's worth noting, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say. And I feel like for sci-fi too, it's not always yeah. as favor- favorable of a rating among all audiences. Absolutely. It's very segmented or very niche, I guess, <clears throat> typically. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, directed by Doug Lehman. And um, stars Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt, Bill Paxton, and then there's some other... Uh, people, yeah. Brendan Gleeson. He looked so familiar, but I couldn't. Mad Eye Moody. There you go. Well, there you yes. go. <laughs> um, I was every time I see him, I think of either Mad Eye Moody or he's also the bad guy, or not the bad guy. He's the CEO of the bad chemical company in Mission Impossible Two. That's. Um, I was thinking he looked like yeah. he had something to do with Mission Impossible, but I was like, no, that's um Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> yeah, also Philip Seymour Hoffman, who. Um, I guess both of them. So both of them were bad guys in Mission Impossible movies, and they maybe look somewhat similar. Yeah. So, which might be going towards like typecasting bad guys in Mission Impossible movies. I don't know if we could, you know, make that claim or not. <laughs> and and also something to note. Uh, I swear I didn't look this up. I already knew this. The guy who played is it Doctor Carter? Was that his name? Uh, Noah Taylor. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So he was in. Willy Wonka, or no, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yes. Johnny Depp one, he was the dad. Oh, man, <laughs> you're right. Wow, that changes everything. So, yeah, that was just something I noticed while I was watching yeah. the movie. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, and I was immediately struck that really the only two people doing most of the acting in this movie were Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And then there was a bunch of, like a bunch of background you know, kind of yeah. character. So this was not a movie built upon, like, an all-star cast. I mean, they got a very talented cast, but it's. I think it was really about, like, the effects and, like, the plot, I guess, for making the movie really pop. Yeah, um, it wasn't an ensemble piece. It was just you had supporting characters who helped elevate the work of your two top-billed stars, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Yeah. So I think um, that was cool as well. Emily Blunt, let's see, recently she's done A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place 2, which I still haven't seen. Uh, and she was Mary Poppins, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to think she's done other like action-y things. She was in the Jungle Cruise movie with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Um, I was trying to spit stuff off the top of my head. I'm not actually looking this up right now. Yeah. I mean, she was in The Devil Wears Prada um mm. and she's married to john krasinski yes so that's that's neat she is what a lucky gal she is alternate timeline pam beasley <laughs> i guess you could say oh <laughs> uh, yeah true true <laughs> but they um, they are you know one of the most beloved couples in hollywood i'd say um because yeah. they're just so likable and yeah they really haven't had any kind of scandalous things come out about them and they seem to genuinely care for one another and, and others, so I think that they uh, are definitely held in high regard among most people. Yeah, yeah. And 
another Hollywood favorite, I guess maybe. I don't know. Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> I don't know when he's going to get tired of making action movies. He does it so well, I feel like he shouldn't get tired of it. You know he's like um, 60. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And he's still um, breaking his ankle, jumping off buildings for Mission Impossible. I think, yeah. I think though, they either are about to or recently wrapped filming the next two Mission Impossibles, and he's going to exit the series after... Not the next movie, but the one after that. Yeah. Well, I feel like he's earned it. Um, yeah. He, so he's, he probably needs yeah. to start slowing down, because I don't know how much more his body can take. <laughs> yeah. But I think... I don't know if this is just him personally... But he seems to really, really be interested not just in action roles, but maybe even in like sci-fi. Like this movie reminded me a lot of Oblivion. Uh-huh. Um, I guess another just kind of like alien invasion into the world type movie, um, which I guess has been two like recent projects outside of like the main you know action franchise stuff of the last few years. So I don't know if that's something. This is something like he personally enjoys these kinds of movies or or what. But um, I think he. I don't know. I think he is one of my favorite like actors to He is my favorite. To watch. I, I go on the record saying he is my favorite actor. Wow. It's and it's I mean he I, I think he's great and his movies are some of my favorites. So mm. Yeah, and he's just he's an awesome dude. Like I know that some people disagree with his personal beliefs, which is fine. Uh, I don't you know, <laughs> buy into the same things that he does. But I think that if you look at him as, as a worker, as a, as an actor, he's definitely high caliber. Yeah. Not for sure. So I think he, him and Emily Blunt worked really well together, it seems like, in this movie. And then we don't want to forget Bill Paxton. Um, I didn't even recognize that was him because he looked <laughs> so different from other things that I've seen. Because, I mean, I really only know him from, like, Twister, and I think it was the second Alien mo- Aliens yeah. that he I was in. I feel like in. there was there was a movie I feel like he was in that we reviewed. Um, really? <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm gonna I feel stupid talking about him with true. you before. <laughs> I don't know. I don't... I, I, I definitely could be wrong. Um, I don't... Would we have reviewed like, it on the you... podcast, or is this before the podcast? Oh, I don't know. Oh, <clears> that's a great question, actually. Because we... <laughs> he was he was in Spy Kids 3. <laughs> <laughs> as, as Dinky Winks, the, <laughs> what? the like amusement park guy, I think. Yeah. I was trying to just do a quick scan. Oh, he was in Spy Kids 2. Yeah, also. Oh, oh. He was on familiar. WWE Smackdown. <laughs> huh. Man, what a, what a guy. Titanic. So he's in like, the, so he's in the Aliens movies. He's in a couple of the Predator, or at least one of the Predator movies, it looks like. He, oh my gosh, he's been in so many things that I've seen, and I just don't... He's, Terminator? He was in uh, Predator, he was in Tombstone, <laughs> he was uh, Titanic, wow. Apollo 13, he's just been in, he was in True Oh yeah, Lies. Apollo 13. Like, well, this dude's resume 13, yeah. is Man. crazy, and I barely recognize him, so... Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think, don't know what that says about me or him, but... Yeah, and I, I think he's very good i guess in that kind of like supporting role i don't know how many of these movies he was like the lead guy that's, in. that's kind of the thing that i was thinking is is has he other than like twister has he really ever been like a lead because maybe that's why yeah. he kind of yeah fades to the background for me at least yeah and he voiced the character in call of duty i mean come on think <laughs> any better than that but yeah so no the movie was made of great stuff I don't know. Did you already mention budget and all that? No, I'll do that real quick. So I think I usually talk about location and budget and stuff like that. So Mm. it looks like it was filmed in a few different places, uh, England, UK, mostly. Actually, it looks like, yeah, I only see England. So I think Mm. it was completely filmed there. (laughs) So... Which it kind of would have been cool if they filmed on site in France and other places, but I'm not seeing that. Yeah. And then as far as budget, it um, had a budget of 178 million, which is 
actually pretty huge. <laughs> that is pretty huge. I feel like that's like Marvel for, for, movie territory. Yeah, it's honestly it, that's more than some Marvel movies have to work with, or maybe earlier Marvel movies is a more yeah. accurate statement. But yeah, that's a huge budget considering the movie. I feel like didn't receive the recognition it deserved, mm-hmm. and it's based off of. I don't know. I don't know how big that story was, the the manga, but it it, it just seems odd that it got that much money. Uh, maybe it was because Tom Cruise was attached. They're like, okay, yeah. let's make this a big thing. <laughs> yeah, summer summer blockbuster. Tom yeah. Cruise, aliens, end of the world. I guess people are into that sort of thing. Yeah, because the 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 worldwide gross was three hundred and seventy million, so it about mm. doubled what what they put into it. But I mean, this is one of my all time favorite movies. If I'm if mm. I can just come out the gate saying that, and I, and I think yeah. that it's one of the most horribly underrated movies because no one ever talks about it except for people that are into the same movies as me. Um, yeah, and it's it's a phenom like I've I think I shared it with with you all like cody and, yeah <laughs> and then I, cody the one, the cody I, really yeah. loved it he was like that was a great movie and i was like yeah but nobody knows about it yeah you you you've exposed me to a lot of movies i might not have like heard about or watched otherwise but this is probably my favorite one that like you have introduced me to um so i i enjoyed i think this was my second watch through most recently and watching through it and I think I enjoyed it just as much watching it again, which isn't common for me in movies. I usually like don't like rewatching things as much, but it's just very enjoyable. Yeah, I think the rewatchability aspect or factor yeah. for this movie is is very great uh, because I've seen it ten times, maybe I don't know. Yeah, because I remember I went and saw it, and I was like, "This is so good," and and there wasn't really anything. Uh, sketchy in it so i took my parents and uh, saw it with them and then i think later yeah. on i just we happened to watch it a few more times so i've i've seen it a bunch and it never yeah. gets old yeah but do you want to yeah. um give us a synopsis yeah well i guess i attempted my funny synopsis earlier yeah. <laughs> um but i think basically you have a an ad man pretending to be well, not pretending, because they accuse him of pretending. The military recruits a ad guy, this is all background, to be the face of the war effort and recruit people for a war to fight in. Um, but when the time comes for him to go face combat himself, he is uh, stripped of his rank, accused of being a deserter, and thrown into combat just to be left there to die. But when the blood of one of the aliens gets on him, as he gives it the killing blow with the claymore, he himself wakes up uh, 24 hours earlier. So the rest of the movie, he is fighting and fighting the same day over and over again, trying to make it further. And along with the help of epic warrior um, Rita Vertasky. The Angel of Verdun. Angel of Verdun or full metal bad word that they work together to um along with this scientist who was the father of the kid in charlie 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 and chocolate factory to get to the as like a little covert mission to get to the center in the brain of the alien operation and defeat it to become victorious there is way more to it than that but really not because i think this is the most interesting feature of this movie is the, the time loop factor but not just the fact that it's a time loop but the way they like portray the time loop um because there's not a number given for how many times he lives this day over and over again i think uh rita lived her day i think the movie said like 300 times yeah. um before she lost the blood and lost the ability and i don't think it gives a number for him but in some ways it feels like it could have been more i think in i saw a note that said in the in the original the manga i guess it was like 100 and something like 160 i guess um but the in watching the movie this is what is where i was getting is that the danger with a repetitive plot like this is that it could feel really repetitive watching the movie but they did a really good job 
of making the movie go along where you watch the first day and then you watch like we watch pretty much all the first day and then you watch pretty much most of the second day to get a feel for like oh this is weird and repetitive but then it starts speeding up and just showing you the things that are different as you start to figure out the different plot points like going and finding her for help and then he'll like get killed you know doing something they'll like go back try again but only show you the next part from where you left off it won't keep on rehashing those things until you get to the part of the movie where he is like lost heart and no matter how hard he fights or how hard he tries he just like they like, can't get past the aliens and there's like this really brutal like montage where he just gets like killed over and over and just looks so sullen and depressed and sorrowful i think that part of the movie like they did a really good job of then changing the pace to make you feel like oh my goodness like i'm reliving the same day with him this is the worst thing ever like what kind of torture is this to be like cursed to go fight a battle you can't win and watch humanity you know eventually get defeated it's like by... dormammu i've come to bargain <laughs> yeah but so I, was, I was actually gonna ask you never uh, lets up <laughs> yeah well i was gonna ask you what are i'm trying to think of other movies with a time loop reliving the same time or day factor there's like those funny like i think disney channel ones i feel like where the kid keeps <laughs> living over like the last day of summer vacation um you have Groundhog Day, I guess, is the first movie I know of that does something like this, where you have the character reliving the same day. I think day. That's, the, that's the example that people often go back to. Whenever something does do a similar uh, thing, mm-hmm. people always say that it's either an ode to or ripping off yeah. Groundhog Day. But there could yeah. have been movies that came before. I mean, yeah. that honestly sounds like something out of a Twilight episode. So Could very well be. I think there was another movie I was thinking of. Was it? I think you might have seen this one. Was it Happy Death Day? Yeah. Where someone kept reliving the day of happy the death. Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to you. Um, um, those are really so, fun movies. I like them. Yeah, but is it similar? Is it a similar thing? I guess where it's the same day yeah. over and over. The person dies, but then when they wake up, it's the. Because I guess with Bill Murray, it was when he went to sleep, not just if he if he dies. He went, like you know he. Um, where that happens. Yeah, and so uh, with with uh, Edge of Tomorrow and Happy Death Day, it's yeah, it's whenever they die, it resets the day. Right. Um, so I thought that was a really cool part of the movie, which, in some ways, I was trying to think if this was, imagine if this was like a book, like a like not like a graphic novel or like a a picture a visual book. It was like a, like words on the page. I feel like to write this book, you just copy and paste stuff like a lot. Yeah, and then like you know, I like it really is only a medium. There's only it's a story really best suited for a visual medium, kind of like Tenet, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, same same kind of idea. So I think that's something I enjoyed a lot, and you and I enjoy a lot is movies that play with time mm-hmm. and the perception of time. And that's why like, we maybe love Nolan a, a lot <laughs> is because he yes. that's just his obsession is time. Yeah, yeah, and it's so it's so fun to see because it's so you know that's what makes it so sci-fi and so like cool to make you think about time and life. Cause I think we've all, we've all had days where we wake up and feel like we're reliving like the same thing, like over and over and mm-hmm. over again. It's like really mundane, repetitive. I even like the other night I watched the movie free guy, um, which was hilarious, but it's the same thing where he, the Ryan Reynolds is an NPC who <laughs> it lives the same day over and over as a bank teller. Whose only job is to be there to get robbed and tell people to have a nice day. Mm-hmm. So, that movie even did similar things with like kind of like the montage of the repetitive days, like when you get in the swing of things. Um, so that movie, even as recently as I watched that one, reminded me of Edge of Tomorrow, um, where you know man fighting, trying to be the hero, gets killed, respawns um, to the same day over and over again. <laughs> I like how for the like the only time in that you're allowed to use video game terms in real life. Like re- like you would never say I respawned, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, but is there, I can't think of a better description for, no, um, yeah. for that mechanic. It's I so just, funny. It's but... a, it's a word that you don't get to use that often yeah. in, in day to day life outside of gaming. <laughs> really. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like even the word spawn, I don't think anyone ever uses that. It's usually like the spawn of like, you know, the devil and not like, you oh, want to know spawn- something I'm funny the spawn of my parents. This is just a side note. Um, I wrote a song, uh, about a year ago and it, and it talks about spawning kids. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man. so I guess well. I, I have used that word to describe, uh, conceiving and birthing a child. 
so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i guess so what, caleb what was your your take and impression then of how this movie played with time and our perception of time i guess like you were saying it didn't really get old or repetitive like even though he was living the same day over and over again it was like a different like he he had a different plan every time he respawned as you put it <laughs> mm. and so he was like well let's try this and so yeah like you were saying it didn't feel like it was an hour and 53 minutes all of that stuff where you were essentially reliving the same moments they were interesting or different enough to where it didn't feel like a chore to have to keep watching that same day relived over and over and over again um so yeah, yeah, I think I think they did a great job of that. And also too, I really liked how I'm trying to think of the best way to say this that makes sense. So mm-hmm. like the scene whenever he doesn't want to get in that helicopter and she's like, I can't believe you found coffee and then he knows how much sugar she takes. And she's like, Wait, we've been here, you know where the keys are, like what are we doing? And it's kind of like instead of us seeing that scene first and then her coming to that realization. I like how they kind of progressed the story and made it seem like, like we didn't see the same things over and over again. We just kind of saw the progression of the story, but he was like, no, we've done this a hundred times. And so I guess I, I just liked how they did that because they, and that might've been the smart way to do it in the way that, you, you would do something like that. But I just thought it was neat how they didn't feel like they needed to show us everything. If right, they, yeah. Know. Yeah, diff- different plot. As the movie progressed, different plot points started to center on different parts of that day. Yeah. Like like once they started to a certain point when they had a certain strategy, you started looking a lot more at that time of the day um, and the new angles on all of that. Um so I think and even like when he even like the first few times he woke up the first time he's like okay this is some deja vu and then the next time he's like you gotta listen to me we've been through this and then the third time he's kind of like or it's the third or fourth time he's like you know covering up the card game that the people are having and kind of having fun with it almost yeah Um, but then as you said he gets depressed 200 more times doing that and watching emily blunt's character die over and over and yeah. over again yeah yeah and i think that what to me is the next the the relationship aspect of this movie is interesting because of that first aspect of the repeated day so I, what i thought was cool is like i was trying to imagine like um if you had to rebuild the same rapport and friendship with someone every day for like you know let's say a year, let's say you end up living a year that way where you could never make it more than one day's progress at a time before you like restart and don't remember each other or, or the other person doesn't remember. You. If I can interrupt you for a second, there yeah. was a movie I watched with my mom uh, growing up. I believe it was on either like one of those Hallmark or Lifetime networks, but it mm-hmm. was called Remember Sunday. And it was about mm-hmm. this guy who had either retrograde amnesia or like the other version um yeah but he essentially couldn't make new memories and he could only he only had up to a certain point and then everything past that he couldn't remember one day to the next and so he had like sticky notes all over his house but the movie it's a romance cuz obviously it was on Hallmark or Lifetime but <laughs> <laughs> but essentially he it's it's this woman that i think becomes taken with him and and figures out what's going on with him because uh, um well the the name of the movie comes from like he sets a date with her but he and but he knows he's going to forget it so he has to remind himself and he might not show up to it or something. i don't remember the movie i'm doing it yeah i'm doing a very poor job of describing it but anyways he has to essentially fall in love or you know get to know this girl again every single day for the rest of his life um, or mm. being told, Hey, we, we have this relationship. Um, so I thought that that, that's kind of, you know, a, a nice little parallel to what you were saying about how he's yeah. essentially getting to know her 
in in <laughs> he's a stranger to her every day. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because of how also what the movie describes sounds exactly like Memento. Just another mm. nod to Christopher Nolan. Um, but the the goat. So, <laughs> so the the way that plays out though is she's already a very guarded person. So I guess they develop a system where he can immediately approach her, tell her like, "I was like you." You know, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, what's happening to me is what happened to you at Ver, Verdun and all that. So, like, they, they get to a point where they can relive that pretty quick. But then you see them, once they make it farther, like, past the, the battle lines, and they're, they're trying to advance into the German enemy territory once they had the vision of the Omega being there, that he will just, like, say random things at her, hoping, like, it'll be right. And he'll, like, take note in his mind of when he gets it right. Um, like her, get trying to guess her middle name, um, or like where they had been vacationed, and like or where she had gone on vacation with her family, and like those things. So so that like the next time they talked, he could have like more time with her. And I think that really climaxes or their relationship kind of climaxes then where she they shares have that, her middle name. She shares her middle name. I guess after that day they died, but that he lived that entire day not actually to make it to the omega but just to have more time with her and enjoy like a date with her yeah like where we where we see like we think oh this is the farthest they've ever made it but then we figure out with her is like oh no they've made it this far before and he's just trying to enjoy this time with her because like you know he's falling in love with her and all that mm-hmm. um so i think that that aspect of the movie i think is one of the more like just like heart-wrenching things you know just like the personal like the character level just like how like he's struggling i mean he's getting like myrtleized every day by a bunch of like freaky aliens like that's that's already pretty bad um but then for the for him to be unable to form like relationships for that time and like people thinking he's crazy and not believing him Mm -hmm. um i think that would put someone through the ringer as well yeah definitely and i really enjoyed the romantic aspect like some people could argue like it's unnecessary like you don't need it uh they could have just yeah you know been friends or something but yeah. i do think that if you went through something like that with someone 300 to 500 times <laughs> you, you might uh you have a relationship with them like even though they they don't have that relationship with you mm. you like you really don't know anyone better than that person, you know. And yeah, so I could see yeah. how he could kind of be like, "This is, this is the only person that gets me because she's been through the same thing, and she may not be remembering all the things that we're going through, but we kind yeah. of relate to each other and and are one in the same in, in many different um, instances." And so I think that it was only natural for them to kind of find each other and link up or you know yeah. see see where that went yeah not everybody has that common suffering of living through the same day yeah over and over. um but i guess what that also means is that for all those people out there who feel like they're in one-sided relationships bill cage knows <laughs> what it feels like you're not alone yeah but i mean um, that just go- this movie has something for everybody and that, it's funny that you know that that's said about a lot of different movies but i mean there's there's romance there's action there's sci-fi there's you know adventure there's Hmm. violence there's i'd say mystery like uncovering the mystery of like what what the phenomenon is happening and why it's happening yeah suspense i mean there's just it's it it touches on all the bases really so whoever wrote this manga uh job well i mean you know what I feel like I should look that up just to give them credit. Hiroshi Sakurazaka. Okay, there we go. And I probably didn't do justice to the name, but I feel like we should give we credit where credit's due. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this movie has something for everybody, I guess is yeah. what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you said this is one. I guess you saw in the movies with your parents. So I guess that. Um, yeah, like I. A testament to that. I'm not going to get into the different. Um, can't think of a word. The. The different. Uh, like preferences. Yeah, well, it's just like 
I come from a religious family. I, I mean, as do you. And so there's some things that um, my family chooses not to subject themselves to. And mm. I've it's been a challenge as, as an adult with maybe less... Um, hang-ups about certain things than, than them um, mm. to, to share things with them because because they uh, there's there's just a lot of movies that have content in it that they're not interested in, in seeing and so when I find a movie that I can share with them it's usually like a really cool thing and so the fact that I'm able to share this movie with my parents and I mean everyone I've shared it with loves it and says oh yeah. that's actually now one of my favorite movies so yeah <laughs> even yeah. even my mom really loves and it's like a sci-fi movie like she's not into that <laughs> she watches yeah. like i said earlier hallmark and lifetime uh, yeah. so uh, i i guess i'm just further uh stating that this movie is very accessible to everybody and i think almost anybody can get some enjoyment out of it yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely up there with your parents. I think me and your parents probably have similar movie preferences. So, I just means I'm the old soul. Um, well, it's not that. It's just I don't know. I guess I have different convictions from from them. Yeah. But no, I think so. We, we talked about the the time aspect, the the romance relationship aspect. Um, I guess friendship, romance. You know, it's like all those things together. I think. Um, one thing I was really struck by in this movie was how insurmountable of an enemy it seemed like they were facing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've seen lots of different kinds of aliens in movies. I'm thinking like the alien movies, like the xenomorphs, I guess, that like, you know, implant in your chest and explode out. Um, kind of gross. Or you have... Um, I mean, like, the Marvel movies, those alien invasions where it's just kind of, like, humanoid-esque things. Like, maybe have, like, different powers, a different size, but they're still, you know, like, arms, legs, like, fighting with weapons and guns. Um, kind of aliens you have. I haven't seen, actually, now that I think about it, I haven't seen a lot of movies like Independence Day or, I don't know, War of the Worlds, if that one has, like, alien stuff in it. How other movies... Other does, oh, oh, that's another off. great Tom Cruise movie, War of the Worlds. Uh, it's a remake, but mm. I, I enjoyed watching that. But mm. are you so getting was... at how the aliens in this movie are a little more innovative or, or different from what we've seen? Yeah, yeah, like more innovative, um, and like I guess the way they function. Um, is really cool. Like it's uh, yeah. like how it's like the hierarchical system where it's like the base level mimic, and then the I guess I'll just call it like a drone. Um, and then I think the, that's what they referred to it as. Yeah. So the drone, drone, drone alpha, and omega. Um, also, I just love movies that teach people Greek. So <laughs> that is one unfortunately good thing about COVID is people learn more of the Greek alphabet. And also this movie, you got the first and the last letter. So props to <laughs> all those who pick up on these things. Um, but the, and like the way they fought too was like really freaky. Like the, the, you had to have a, you know, mechanized suit to be able to withstand. I think there used to be a video game I used to play. It was called mech something, uh, where it was the same deal though. What made me think of this movie where you have to put on like a suit and go like fight, um, fight stuff. Man, that's gonna bother me now. I can't think of the name of that game. (laughs) It, I didn't. I never saw it, but weren't there suits like that in Pacific Rim as well? Oh, may have been Pacific Rim. I guess it was it aliens or was it like undersea? I don't monsters? know. I didn't see that movie. But... Yeah, but I guess they had that. Was, I think that was an even bigger scale where like you were animating like a much larger um, thing. So I guess there there is precedent for movies where like you know you need mm-hmm. the human needs aids to fight the the monster or the alien, um, but the opening scene of this movie like i don't know if you felt like this and i i don't know geographically if it was like normandy kind of like france but it felt like i was watching the beginning of like saving private ryan where mm. it was just like everybody's just getting like destroyed you know yeah. like it's really i mean that's not as, as like gruesome and gory as that but just like the the onslaught and like the kind of shock and like of the sudden 
you know, like, oh my goodness, this is war. Like, it's a war movie. Yeah. No, that's a that's a great uh, reference or comparison to make. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it definitely did have that vibe. And even, like, the, the very beginning with, like, the clips from politicians speaking on the matter. Um, yeah. It felt a little surreal because I feel like there's a lot of crazy things going on in, in our world. And uh, it felt odd watching that movie because I watched, uh, well, I kind of wasn't paying attention the whole time, but I had it on again today while I was working. Hmm. And yeah, it it definitely was interesting seeing all of the different, I guess, countries reporting on it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. How that is kind of relevant to now, how there's yeah. global breaking news that is um, yeah. happening all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Related to invasion and, you know, yeah. aggression and these other things could be, be yeah, definitely. alarming. But I think the, I guess it's cool in movies like this where it's like a unifying thing for mankind, you know, mm-hmm. where like they at least all, we always all have like a common enemy for the time being. Um, but the, uh, the whole, I guess there were some, the times where I thought this movie might have some like continuity errors, but then I think I was convinced that it didn't by like digging a little deeper. So one thing I was trying to poke a hole in, I was like, wouldn't any of the soldiers just have recognized Bill Cage from like all those commercials and things from the recruiting and then like maybe have listened to him because of that? Well, he was a deserter. Exactly. And that's why I remember like, oh, the premise was not just, you know, they stripped him of his rank. It was that like they spun the story based on he is this person, but he deserted and, you know. I think they were basic because they were they weren't. I, I was I was getting a little bit upset at how they were treating him, but then I was like, you know what? He tried to blackmail a general into not going onto the front lines. <laughs> yeah. So I Which, mean, he's not a good person, or at least no. he doesn't start off as a good person. And no. so, and and they they probably just received orders, you know, just this guy, give him a hard time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I love movies with good character arcs. Um, this is something I've I've learned about myself just in watching movies. And I think he has a really good character arc because he's like, like you said, he's selfish. He's like a pretty smug. face. Yeah. Smug, like willing to blackmail and manipulate to get what he wants. I will avoid fighting in this war he's been promoting at all costs. But then he gets thrown into battle and immediately he's like, has to fight and he like, you know, dies within five minutes of being there. Um, but then it's funny that like his destiny then is to become that soldier he's like so didn't want to be and ultimately by the end of the movie be willing to make that sacrifice for like the rest of mankind um i think that that ties into other movies i was thinking about where the premise is that like it doesn't really matter what you do until you only have one life left to live um so i was thinking of like the jumanji movies for example like they used to get like three lives and in, in these in the in the movie in this game they're in and like they can goof off they can do dumb stuff and funny stuff and like blow each other up and kick each other off cliffs but then like once you get down to that last life you know it's like oh this is when it really matters mm-hmm. um, and that same thing I think happened in this movie when he did lose the blood and lose lose the power um, that that's of course when they finally have the intel they need to go find the Omega and do it but now it's like only one life left to live like you have to risk it all and so yeah. even without even without the hope of waking up um when he dies he still wanted to go on this like actual suicide mission to go and kill the omega um at the louvre so i think i was i was proud of him that's the sign of a good movie for me is if i'm proud of the main character by the end of the movie yeah and, and he had a heck of a transformation like you were saying in, in development of his character and and now he's going to be a better person for it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back and talk about the enemies again real quick. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, just just a, a thought that I had when you were talking about them earlier. The way that they move is really cool. Because they're, oh, yeah. they're kind of... It's kind of like tumbleweed, you know? Where it's just mm. like this mass of tentacles or something or whatever. 
and they kind yeah. of like scurry along the ground with all the like I, I was thinking about when the what is it the um the alpha the is that the blue yeah. thing yeah yeah when yeah. when when it was like jumping into the water after him towards the end of the movie the way that it moved it was just very chaotic and uh, yeah I just I thought it was interesting and, and also when you first see one of those drones for the first time and it kind of like teleports or does like a weird time thing there. Uh, I just I just thought that the design of those creatures was like we mentioned earlier very innovative uh, yeah. because in most alien movies they are to some extent a reflection of humanity or in terms of appearance and how they maneuver and whatnot. Yeah, like I feel like I don't see many movies where they don't have like two legs and two arms and resemble mankind. Whereas this movie, yeah. it was just like some kind of crazy, uh, twisted, up tentacle creature. I mean, it did have a, a body, if you will, but yeah, um, yeah, that no, was freaky. It was freaky. I thought it was a very terrifying, like creature. I think it, the initial wave of combat, you really get that impression when like these things are flying around, you can't even see them or get they're a shot buri- at them. They're burying themselves into the ground and then yeah, coming out and just yeah, the way that they move is just terrifying. Like I would, yeah. When it when they when when it first came out of the ground in the middle of J Squad, and it's just kind of, you know, you just see. I keep using this word. I can't. I don't know what limbs or I keep using tentacles, but you just see tentacles like <laughs> flying around and impaling yeah. people and throwing people all over the place. And yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think the I guess while on them, that was the other. I was trying to think of continuity errors or just like the power of resetting time. So I guess the clock moves back. The premise is that when the alpha dies, the omega sends the clock back 24 hours to the I guess so that day. it still has that uh, yeah, soldier fighting for them, I guess. Yeah, because I think uh, they're talking about how rare the alpha was. It was like, I don't know if it was one in seven million or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was like, like really... one in six point something million, I think yeah. that's what they said. So for how Which is funny because that... we saw like what I thought was like at least three different <laughs> alphas. There were, the oh, there were, there were, I guess there was the one he died with. There was the one at the, the dam in Germany when they when they like tricked him into going there's a trap. And then there was at least the one, I guess, one at the end yeah. in the Louvre. So to be super rare, although you would you would assume that that creature would be after him once they figure out who he is yeah, and what he's yeah. doing. Because when they met him at the dam, they obviously were trying to trick him there to just let him bleed out or something so he could yeah, reset the right. day. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, you would have one of those defending the Omega. So I, get, I guess it's... Well, I, I was kind of thinking, well, they're not super rare because we see them all the time in this movie. But since he is a very significant character to their, yeah, you know, plans, or he's trying to put a wrench into it, they they would obviously send some alphas his way to, yeah, confront him or try to yeah take him out of the game. Yeah, so I think that that mechanic is cool. And makes sense. Um, I think in that premise of just like the alpha is so valuable that they will refight that entire day so that they don't lose the alpha and they improve you know with that knowledge yeah but also what then became so infuriating to me is like the alien enemy is like that in sync with itself and just like re- prepared to do that but the human side that you have the general who like refuses to listen to anything and he like begrudgingly gives them that tech at the end so they could have the little like omega seance kind of experience but but he wasn't going to let like, them leave with it. Kind of yeah. like the way that uh, um, Cage like left the office at the beginning of the movie and he's like, arrest that man. Yeah. It, it was yeah. kind of the same thing. Which, yeah, I was I was super mad at everybody involved that wasn't Tom Cruise at the yeah. beginning of the movie. Yeah, I think it was really like, it really was like, it was him versus all the aliens, also versus like all of the humans. Yeah. <laughs> like to- totally like outmatched, outnumbered. Like I, I did, I really didn't see foresee at all how he was gonna like be able to pull this off, you know, for completing this mission. I guess he did, you know, get friends and help uh, over the course of the movie, but it was quite daunting odds. I think he was up against. Yeah, when when he was in the room, 
and the, and the Dr. Carter was explaining to him the situation for the first time. And then uh, Rita Vertasky is like, she said something like, and it's up to you or whatever. He's like, me? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, I'm the one that has to save the day and yeah. do everything. <laughs> yeah. Of course you, Tom Cruise. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, you should know, Tom Cruise, that in whatever timeline <laughs> you exist in, you're the protagonist. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, so yeah, so the, I think I, I I was confused a little bit by the ending of this movie. Um, I don't know if you have a way of thinking about it, rationalizing it, but the fact that he's been spawning the whole movie to the beginning of the day of battle. No, sorry. I don't know what to call it. So there's the day, I guess day one is like the day he talks to general day two. He's on the base day three. He gets killed on the battlefield. So the whole movie is in spawning to day two because he got killed at the beginning of day three. But then at the end of the movie, it looks like he goes back to like the very beginning mm-hmm. or like pretty close to, I guess like where we saw him woke up at the very beginning of the movie. Um, so do you have a way, I guess, of thinking about that or explaining that? I mean, I really don't. Like, I could probably try to pull some answer out of my rectum. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> but well, because I googled it and I think this makes sense. Um, where the guy said that he lost the alpha ability, but then he regained it at the very end when he killed the omega and got the omega blood and alpha blood, I guess, mixed on him when he killed both of them. Um, and that final explosion or whatever. Maybe he can reset whenever he wants to maybe he is the omega now yeah so so that that was i think one one theory or the other one was that the omega reset him but because it was a new alpha experience it was just 24 hours earlier from that point which may have been closer to when the movie actually started i guess yeah because they might have they might have done more in like the first day this time um or something. That, that was the only thing I guess I couldn't really explain, but it was so poetic and beautiful. I didn't really care. I couldn't explain it. I just thought it was perfect. Yeah, I so. mean, there's probably, there might be a plot hole there, and there also might be a way to explain that away, but I'm going to choose to not concern myself with that <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think those are a lot of my big thoughts, I guess. Um, I know we, we kind of covered a lot of ground together there wrapping around but i don't know if there are any other thoughts you wanted to revisit or final things you had about the movie itself i just i loved the ending scene mm. where he walks into that training room i guess and he's got the soldiers respect again because he's still maintained his oh, rank yeah. and so they're all like at attention whenever he's walking in and um he comes face to face with Rita Vertasky and it's the same scene that we've seen many times before of her like getting up from doing push-ups and then it's just him with like tears in his eyes and he's just like you have no clue what we've been through but we made it and yeah Mm. it's just and then it cuts to is it Paul Newman who did that I need to know Mm. like that's and I haven't heard that song in years and so it was funny when I watched this again for the podcast to i was like oh my gosh that movie's or i guess it kind of dates the movie because that song (laughs) was was kind of a a one hit or i guess that artist i might be speaking out of turn but i've never heard another song from that guy Uh, yeah yeah. but that song was featured i think in taken two also at like the end of that movie Mm. (laughs) but yeah it was all that to say i guess i'm just you know, throwing out some BS, no, but all that to yeah, say, the no. ending I thought was was great and kind of a yeah. tear jerking ending. Yeah, and we talk about this too, like how movies just come full circle. Yeah, I mean, and the the movie, this movie, really, really did that with his own character arc. But even like chronologically, the movie literally begins and ends at the same place, except he has gone on this massive journey, and like the threat has been overcome. He has his like honor from actually going and fighting the battle he has um like the respect of all of humanity because he let his like rank you know hasn't been taken away from him and he has like this actual chance at you know friendship and relationship with for now um because you know 
I guess it'd be really, really tragic if he got to like his deathbed or something. And then he like woke up at that same day, <laughs> you know, like if he had had that ability in him, like all his life, like he was still like would reset if he died. Um, but yeah, then, that would suck if it's like, I think I, yeah, you feel like you broke the loop and then it turns out, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Which was actually where, like, Bill which Murray's is kind of what was. happy death day to you is kind of about. Cause the, the first movie kind of concludes and then the second movie is like, Oh, here we go again. To quote oh, yeah. GTA San yeah. Andreas uh, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, like, Groundhog Day is the same way. Where like, it he he says like he has tried like every way possible to kill himself, <laughs> and he's just like so bored and so tired of living in this like same boring day over and over. Um. So. Man, yeah. No, I just I think this movie it touches a lot of great elements of other movies, and I think really tells a great story does has a cool like physics you know engine process with the time um making you really think about how that works and fits together has mystery ties um ties into that like kind of genre um and it's just like i don't know i think like middle school seth really liked those like i don't know like being master chief and stuff like that just go like you know owning like aliens i can't say people because i was always really bad i can only play like campaign and like easy <laughs> but like when you just like have, like yeah like go get the bad guys like i think this movie would be really popular among 13 year olds too for that reason <laughs> yeah yeah and i was honestly just thinking about the ending again and the ending mm. was pretty perfect to me because when you think of great endings i think one of the movies oh that goodness. often gets mentioned spoiler is... alert spoiler alert well i'm not gonna give the ending away Oh, okay. But I was just going to say The Dark Knight Rises, I feel like, is an ending. Regardless of what people think of that movie, um, mm. the ending is pretty iconic, I feel like. Yeah, okay. I thought you were going to say your other favorite movie that has a really like open-ended but satisfying-to-you ending. Oh, well, I, honestly, those are my favorite types of movies, is when it's open for interpretation. Like, I was actually yeah. talking, a quick shout-out to my buddy Logan, um... Mm. And he was talking about The Dark Knight and what he thinks could have made it better Mm. um, if they would have changed one thing. And it's when you leave it open-ended. Because they didn't really leave it open-ended there. They kind of showed us what we wanted to see. Yeah. Um, But but, uh, one of the other examples I always use is uh, Shawshank Redemption. The book ends Mm. a little bit differently. Um where Red is on the bus to meet Andy Dufresne, and he's kind of like, I hope I get to see my friend again. Whereas the movie gives you the happy Hollywood ending that you want. Um, And I believe that the story behind that is that the whoever put that movie together were like, no, we have to have a happy ending, or else this isn't, the movie's not going to like sell well with audiences. Uh, and, yeah. you, and I would argue that the original ending that Stephen King penned was better, but um, I think that this movie had a perfect ending because they could have showed us them, you know, talking and embracing. <laughs> like he's like, yeah. "Oh, I was you," and we we did it. We won, and they they, <laughs> they uh, the enemy forces can't fight anymore. Let's have yeah. a relationship. But instead, it was just kind of it left us to kind of. I guess come up with our own scenario as to what happened, what conversation was had, or if he just kind of left it alone and was like, you know what? Yeah. Um, I'll let her just live her life, which I doubt happened, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great. I think. I guess what I'm getting at is. Thought. I hear all the time people talk about certain movies that they'd like to see sequels for, mm-hmm. but I think if you leave things up to interpretation and for audiences to kind of exercise their imagination that's for me i think that's always better than showing them what they want to see yeah because i don't think you can because like, you won't satisfy to, to, everybody yeah to but try that to show way everything you can, yeah no i agree completely you're right so and, and and people are often like well i'd love to see an interstellar 2 and see if matthew mcconaughey's character met up with uh, Anne Hathaway on that. It's like, but yeah. one, Christopher Nolan would never do that because he's a smart guy and knows exactly what I just said. Like, let your audience use their imagination and leave things alone 
Yeah. Like, like we don't need Toy Story Part Six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I often see people talking about, oh, let's get a sequel to this movie. It's like, but you know, just let things, let be what is and let be what isn't. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's just that's me getting a little bit into my preferences, I guess. But I think that that I don't know. That's more inter- interesting than just showing everything that happens or no. giving people what you presume they want. Yeah. Instead of letting them kind of exercise their uh, brain yeah. a little bit and yeah. <laughs> infer. Well, I think I think you'll be a great dad, Caleb. I think that's the key: is don't give the kid exactly what they want. You can't let them have their own way. <laughs> maybe maybe so <laughs> uh, if nothing yeah. else maybe i'm uh in an interesting person to watch movies with and and <laughs> talk about them with <laughs> at the very least for sure um but yeah i think that's that's kind of wraps up i guess my big thoughts about this movie same um, so i think now we would normally go into a very arbitrary not very helpful system of rating and ranking <laughs> movies um, by comparison. So instead of doing that, um, Caleb, you suggested that we instead just talk about if we would recommend the movie and then maybe reasons why we would um, in just kind of reflection and in some. So you want to hit us with your recommendation thoughts? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I think we've covered the reasons why I would, you know, either recommend or not recommend this movie, uh, but just to hit some of the, you know, bulleted points, uh, it, there's a great character arc for Bill Cage. Mm. Um, there's something in it for everybody. You know, you can almost show this movie to anybody and they, they I feel that they could get something out of it or there's an aspect of it that they would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm a huge sci-fi fan, so maybe this movie sits better with me than it would someone who only watches, you know, dramas or romance flicks. But, I mean, there's even stuff like that for those people as well. Uh, the, yeah. the casting is great. Even the supporting characters are perfect for the roles that they have, yeah. I, w- I would argue. Um, yeah. And this was my introduction to Emily Blunt. I don't think I saw her in anything before this, and I've seen her in a few things since, but... Um, this kind of, you know, introduced me to her, and I think she's great now. And yeah, Tom Cruise is awesome as always, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, he really carries this movie. Like he does most that he's in, but it's it's a great performance by him. He he does the playful stuff well. He does the dramatic stuff well. He does the you know like you were saying the soul and depressed stuff. Like he's he's just a great actor, and you can't really argue that against that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I could go on and on and try to come up with some other things right now. <laughs> Again, I'd have to pull them out of thin air because I hadn't thought about it beforehand. <laughs> but this movie is definitely a strong recommend for me. Uh, I'm not going to give a numeric value, as Seth said, but it would definitely be, you know, eight or nine or something up there for me. For me uh, personally, because I. This movie is a sweet spot for me because I, me and Seth established that my favorite genre is sci-fi. <laughs> so we did a, a very solid sci-fi entry, uh, if nothing else, and and I really enjoy it. So I would recommend it to others. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. Um, it's very ironic we have this conversation. You were the one who actually recommended this movie to me. Um, <laughs> So I think I would definitely carry that forward. I would, I would recommend it um, to pretty much all age-appropriate audiences. I think, like you said, everyone would enjoy it. Um, what did I think it? Sorry, I sorry to interrupt you, but oh, no, you you watched this with your fiance, uh, Jenna, and yes. what was what was her take on it? Oh, she she enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think she has a pretty broad like taste in movies and kind of enjoys a lot of things, um, and, but she—I mean, she really enjoyed this one. Um, I think we, we both like movies that make you like think a little bit. Uh, so this is—it's not probably as like confusing or difficult as some movies who try to be a little more like cerebral or like with just the the you know the mechanic of playing with time. Um, but 
yeah Jen and I had a great time watching this one um, I would recommend anyone else looking for a romantic date night to involve <laughs> Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt in that by watching this movie <laughs> yeah so, yeah I, I really I, I really broke the number system as soon as I gave Blade an 8 I really have never been able to come back from that <laughs> That was irrevocable damage. And well, I'm hey, so sorry. I mean, if that's what it's, if that's the rating you want to give it, that's fine. I just, I just, no. the, we had a conversation before we started this episode, and I was just saying how it seems very arbitrary, and we just kind of pull numbers out of thin air, yeah. and just like, well, you know, it, it's not a perfect ten, but I really liked it, so I'll give it a nine or an eight. Yeah. And, and I feel like, I don't know, recommend or yeah. not recommend is just a, yeah, a, a safer. Uh, metric to measure these movies by i totally agree and i i think you know this is obviously the authoritative source for everything objective about movies so of course we uh we <laughs> we're totally we're totally not biased in any direction or anything we will tell you exactly how it is yeah every every um statement made on this podcast is from an objective standpoint there's no subjectivity to it so you can, you know, take everything we say as gospel and yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think um, that is as good a place to leave it as any. I hope we don't wake up tomorrow just to figure out that we have to record this episode again because it's still the same day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be that was a nice, pretty ironic. Yeah. Did you want yeah. to, uh, what language are you, are you going to do the outro in? Oh my goodness! I uh, I think I think I exhausted all of my language skills, um, to today for, um, I don't even know what to say. I was, <laughs> I say we go with the classic German Auf Wiedersehen until we see again. But there you go. He's a he's a he's a bilingual uh, man. So very mm. impressive, Seth. <laughs> um, a semi-aquatic egg-laying mammal of action. I think that's what you mean. <laughs> you lay eggs? <laughs> this is getting weird, and it's... This is getting weird. It's, it's past a, my it's, bedtime. It's kind of late, yeah. So maybe we should just say, uh, like you said, Alfita Zane. Did I say that right? Yes, Alfita Zane. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode, everyone. Yeah, see you then.